without God and won't even pray for themselves. Who have no concern about the things of God. They have no walk with God. They live a life like Ishmael and Esau. And we pray, Lord, that you might uh, continue to use the church, just what we're going to talk about tonight. You called Israel to be a witness to the nations. And when Jesus came, you called the church to be a witness to the nations. So here we are in our season of time in these last days. And we are, so we pray for all of these people we don't even know, only imagining <clears throat> how sad it is what many of them deal with, children uh, killed in other places. We think about the wars that go on all over the world. We think about all of these uh, dear people who are coming to America, don't have any idea what to do, children on the streets all over the United States, so these people who came speak our language. So we pray that you might help us. We pray that you might help us to understand the times and know that these are just birth pangs of what it will be during the great tribulation and great time of trouble. We can only imagine. Your word gives us glimpses of it, but it's hard for us to imagine. And so we, <clears throat> here we, we sit and we have the opportunity to be here together in relative safety. You provide it for us. We thank you for the police officer, even now sitting out there tonight, and our security people, and Brother Troy, and all of our people who look out for all of us while we're here. So, Lord, we ask that you might help us to be faithful to be your people in these days. Thank you for the book of Isaiah. Thank you for the various things that it reveals to us. Though Israel as a nation would refuse to be a witness, you raised up these men of God and you kept a few, a few in Israel's history who did not bow their knee to idols and who live for you. So tonight that's our prayer. We pray, <clears throat> we pray for one another. We, Lord, we pray for our, this weekend, we, we look forward to being together. All the families of this family, this church, having time just to be together. May it be just a wonderful time. May our people have a chance to get to know each other. <clears throat> May all of us who are seniors have the opportunity to meet our younger ones. <clears throat> May the younger ones come to know us. We thank you for so much. Uh, so many good things you brought our way. Thank you for people being saved. Thank you for Sunday, those that will be baptized. and We thank you for people who are moving to this place. So you, They're coming our way to visit us. We pray that you might help us to be... Uh, the kind of welcoming people that we ought to be. So, Lord, thank you and thank you for my friends here. I've known many of these people for a long time. Bless them and their families and whatever the conditions or circumstances. We thank you that Jesus is honored and glorified when we seek to live for you. So that's what we seek to do tonight, and we thank you for it, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, find the outline. Uh, Isaiah 43 is where we are. <clears throat> Let's just read it together now. 
And we'll pick up in verse number 8. And uh, <clears throat> then we're going to read tonight through verse 21. It's hard to keep this back in our minds. So last week we talked about the Redeemer. We talked about the Lord who is the Redeemer. Isaiah 43, 1. Let's just pick up there and say, But now, thus says the Lord your God, <clears throat> your Creator, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. Remember, this is, uh, these are promises for Israel for a future time when they're in Babylon. See, they don't think anything's going to happen to them. Remember, they're in, they're in a season of relative uh, wealth. And as we talked about way back at the beginning, Hezekiah's there. And, and, uh, but Hezekiah made a terrible mistake. He showed the Babylonians all the riches of Israel. Remember? So they're in, they're in a relatively uh, prosperous condition. But now this crazy preacher, Isaiah, is talking about uh, Babylon in a way and God saving them and... Israel's not even listening. For I am the Lord your God, verse 3, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. These are the Lord's words to Israel. And by the way, they're still true for Israel, though Israel has hardened its heart, the nation of Israel, for a while. Paul teaches us that in the book of Romans. The Lord still has things to do with the, the nation of Israel. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. See, that's, redeem that's a redeemer. <clears throat> the, the price is paid and God is the redeemer. Do not fear, second time, for I am with you. We know the Lord is our redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And what did he say? Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And what did he say? I am with you. Always. Praise the Lord. So now we bring ourselves to the new section. Bring out the people who are blind even though they have eyes and the deaf even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses. Notice here's the word. Let them present their witnesses. Let the nations present their witnesses about what they know about the future, that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is true. That is, confirm the witness. Now, notice the change, verse 10. In quotations, this is God speaking. You are my witnesses to Israel. He's saying this to Israel. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you, so you are my witnesses. Second time. Verse 10, second time. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am your God. Notice, you are my witnesses, and I am your God. Even from eternity, I am He. And there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Answer is none. 
Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, well you should note that, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I, notice you're still in quotations. These are the words of God. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me. The jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To give drink to my chosen people, Israel. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. There is much here for us. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your outline, uh, God saves Israel to be a witness. God saves sinners to be a witness to the world. And uh, that's who we are. That's who we are. Now, before we go into this, I want you to read, I want you to turn in your New Testament to 1 Peter. Uh, go back to 1 Peter and let's pick up something here. Uh, Peter's, you know, Peter and Paul and John, all three in their letters, take some opportunities to link wonderful truths that are given to Israel also to God's to, to believers. It doesn't mean that these promises are no longer true for Israel. They were in their time when they were made, and there are still promises that God has made to Israel that are yet to be fulfilled in the second coming of the Lord. However, I want you to notice this, how Peter laces together these wonderful Old Testament promises for Israel, and he reminds us that these are also true for all of us who are believers in Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Notice why. Here's the purpose clause. So that, okay, we're a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's the church. So that you, the church, we, us, may proclaim, notice the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So now we're the ones who are the light bearers in the world, aren't we? We're the light bearers in the world. When you think about a witness, it's one of my all-time favorite statements. And now I want you to go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. So we're, we're God's people to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into light. Now go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, so here's Peter and John in trouble with the same authorities who killed and crucified the Lord Jesus. So, 
they, uh, remember they healed the man who was lame. They drug him in there and said, <clears throat> you know, why are you doing this? And he, they were talking about the Lord Jesus. And so we'll pick up in Acts 4, 18. And when the council, when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Here it is, one of my favorite statements. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's what it means to be a witness. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. So we're those who have been saved by the grace of God through the coming of Jesus Christ. We're saved sinners on this side of the cross and we're to be a witness to our world. We, can't, we cannot stop speaking about the things we have seen and heard. A witness uh, sees things and hears things. So today in all these tragedies, the police officers and others, they'll, they'll record uh, what the eyewitnesses saw and heard. So tonight I want us to think about being witnesses for the Lord Jesus. That's our task right now. But let's use Isaiah 43. First, let's see what uh, God was saying to Israel, who, by the way, refused to ever be the witness they were supposed to be. They would not be a witness. Israel ends up in Babylon. Uh, they, they end up in captivity. They end up being judged. And a lot of you in this room were with me when we spent those very hard days reading the book of Lamentations. When God basically, here the Babylonians came, they just took it all down. They took it all down and left that city in ruins and uh, the horrors that went with those last days as the Babylonians came. And then, of course, we have the prophets who went with them to Babylon so that there'd still be a witness. So this is a call, first of all, to the nations. Uh, Next week we come back to uh, just a just a spent not this week this Sunday by the way what a great weekend it'll be a family life weekend we've never done it before and lots of our people are going to come it's going to be good I know you all are trying it out just like I said just be a be a don't be a don't be a you know killjoy I mean come and try it out um, everybody says well what are we going to do I said I have no idea we're just going to be together. You know, I asked one of our people, I said, have you ever been to a family reunion? Yeah. I said, well, how'd that work out? Whatever happens, happens. That's what we're going to do. It's a big family reunion. It'll be a lot of fun. But I'm saying, so Sunday I'm pausing and not talking about family secrets. However, we pick up the next week uh, while Rachel's father is out shearing sheep, she steals the idol. She steals the family idol. We're going to talk very soberly about family idols. Now, there are lots of people in the modern world who laugh when any preacher talks about idols. But we, our families have idols. 
Idolatry is very real. And it's not just wicked sinners who are idolaters. Why would John the Apostle say, keep yourself from idols? He was writing to believers. It's possible. So Rachel was an idolater. Think about it. Anyway, so with that in mind, here was their challenge. The nation of Israel was all, again in this very place in Isaiah. They're already captivated by the nations and they pull in all of their gods. They try to bring all their gods in to make it all work with the true God. So we've been reading this. If you've been walking with us through this, you've seen these glimpses into what God declares about the deadness and uselessness of idols. But that's not true. When you worship an idol, you believe the idol is God. You, you gain assurance from the idol. You, you gain support from the idol. You, don't, you turn from talking to God and you seek your idol and what your idol has to say. So here in God's glorious wisdom, He says, all right, bring out the witnesses. Bring out the idols. Bring them out. This is, this is the beauty of Isaiah the preacher. Uh, bring out the people who are blind and even those who have, who, have, who, who have eyes and are deaf. Remember, he's talking about, okay, bring out those who don't have any spiritual eyesight or don't have any spiritual ears. All the nations have gathered together so the peoples may assemble. Let's gather the entire world. Let's bring the whole globe together. <clears throat> and who can tell us about the future? Only he uses it this way. Proclaim to us the former things. Well, if you're God, you can talk about the past and you can talk about the present and you can talk about the future because God sees it all. So bring your idol out. Which idol can now declare, uh, proclaim to us the former things? Question mark, verse 9. Let them present their witnesses that they may be justified. In other words, if your idols are gods, your gods ought to be able to tell you the future. Your idols ought to be able to tell you what happened in the past and how the past connects to the present, how the present connects to the future. So that they can say, that's true. Well, the answer is, there is no... There is no the deadness of idolatry is very real. So, only God knows the past and the present, if you see it on your outline there. I gave you these wonderful verses, and some of the men in this room uh, joined me, and we have a Bible study. Uh, and we were talking about time not long ago. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their hearts. So we live in time, but somehow we know there's something beyond time. This is what he's saying. So that yet, yet no man can find out the work which God has done from the beginning to the end. And then notice this wonderful statement later in Ecclesiastes 3.15. That which is has, already, has been already, and that which uh, will be has already been, for God seeks what has passed. Or some of your... Bibles may read, and God requires it, requires the past. The point is, from eternity, that which has already been has already been. That which is, that which is to come has already been. Eternity is beyond time. It's a statement about eternity, God's perspective on time. All of time is, is we, he, he is the God above time, the God who created time. So only God knows the past and the present and the future. So he's spoken about former things. <clears throat> We're going to see him talk about this to Israel in a moment. Now he says to Israel, you are witnesses. 
of the future, you're going to be witnesses of the future work of salvation. You are my witnesses and my servants I've chosen. Notice what a witness, what a witness is blessed with, so that you may know and believe and understand that I am He. You're going to see me do work, God says, that will help you know that I'm God. He's, he's telling them ahead of time. So, before me there's no God, there are no idols, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there's no Savior besides me. I'm it. I'm the eternal God. I'm the one who knows it all. It's I, verse 12, who's declared it, who saves, and who proclaims it. And there was no strange God among you. You're my witnesses. There's no God who's done this. I'm the one who's done it. So Israel will be a witness who knows and believes what God's done. Israel will be a witness who understands that God is the eternal and only God. Israel will be a witness who understands that God is their Savior. God declares His own glory. This is wonderful. There's, there are these um, self, I call them self-declarations God makes of Himself uh, throughout the Word of God. And Isaiah is famous for having some of the most wonderful of these. Uh, and notice, I am, <clears throat> this literally reads, I am Elohim. From eternity I am He. And there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act and it can never be reversed. This is the message to the world today. You don't believe there's a God, but there's a God who is moving in all history, in all events, because all of time is appropriately put in His hands, perfectly executed when He wants it to be, and you can't stop the work of God. Amen. Now that should bring fear to people. I mean, it truly should elicit fear. There is one whom you cannot stop. Try it. The nations have tried forever. And the Lord Jesus... Isn't it good news? He saves us eternally. Aren't you glad? No one can pluck us out of His No one can pluck them out of my hands. The Lord said that. Well, God declares that He is the one who has promised, predicted the future for Israel's salvation. He says it again. You're my witnesses. You're going to see this. And from eternity I am He. I'm the one. I'm the one who saves you. I am the eternal God in whom you are going to witness my work. And they did. And you all who are here, this is a knowledgeable group. You know what happened. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, you remember all of the coming back of, you, you, you know, you, you just remember all of those um, experiences and what, the, and what the Lord did to bring them back from Babylonian captivity. Well, now the prophecy comes. Uh, he predicts the, the future and how He is going to deliver Israel from Babylon. Again, this is a little twist on it. <clears throat> you know, Israel's hearing the preacher preach and they're saying, Babylon didn't do anything to us. We have an alliance with them. <laughs> you are a crazy preacher. Jesus is coming again. You really believe Jesus is going to come again? You really believe that stuff? Everything seems great. Technology will save us. We're going, to, we're going to figure out how to... We're going to use technology to keep people from dying. I want to tell you, if somehow you have to have some 
kind of apparatus to keep you alive, is that really life? No. That's becoming a mutation and something beyond what God has designed. But that's where we are. You know, there are people who, who are very smart but have lost any knowledge of God who really are trying their best to eliminate death, eliminate all of these limitations of human beings. And they spend lots of money on it. And every day they try to move these things forward. But now, thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Notice verse 14, it changes. Redeemer, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives. This is the promise here. God will judge Babylon for Israel's sake. Verse 14. God is the king creator of Israel who saves them. Look at 16, 17. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. You know why? Uh, and, and brings the chariot and the horses and the armies and the mighty men. He, he quenches them. Again, what does Isaiah do here? He reminds Israel of their history. This is exactly what God did to Egypt, remember? He destroyed the greatest nation of its time. Now he's talking about Babylon, who's been raised up to be the world-class nation, the mighty nation. So here it is. Again, I want to point this out. God is working in history here. And, you know, you can study it from a, a historical, archaeological point of view. You can study all about Babylon. study all about Egypt. And uh, here we are. God's working in history. He's working in history to do His work and to accomplish His purposes, which bring honor to Himself. So God commands Israel to forget the past. Look at this now. This is important. So if God's going to save them, what does He say to them? Verse 18, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Look at that. That's a, you know, sometimes we put these uh, uh, statements up on our wall from the Old Testament. And again, I, I want to say that it's wonderful to do that. Just like last week I mentioned to you, you know, this wonderful one about when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you and through the rivers. It's a wonderful promise about God's salvation. But you have to remember this was first written to Israel, spoken to Israel, historically to them. Uh, secondarily, we as believers now in Christ, we have our own promises from the Lord Jesus that are even more glorious than this. How about this one? Even if you die, you will live. How about that? That's pretty good, isn't it? I'll take that even over uh, when I pass through the rivers, I won't be drowned. No, if I'm dead, I'm going to still be alive. You know, as I've told you, that's a wonderful thing to have and believe so that when somebody tells you you're going to die, you know, the, the, the doctor says, like I've testified to you all, the doctor said to me, well, you know, you probably have five years, you know, now that you have colon cancer. Okay. Well, don't you have any questions? No. I might have one day. I might have ten days or ten years. Because I don't care. I have endless life. He was thinking, what are you? You are nuts. No wonder you're a Baptist preacher. You're out of your mind. <laughs> And he was like, okay, thank you very much. Here, here's what you need to do. We'll, we'll, we'll see you on the next visit. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Miller. You know what I'm saying, folks. We live with confidence because we have endless life. You don't die. You live forever. 
We need to think more about heaven than we do this messed, messed up place. God commands Israel to forget the past. Now that's really hard to do, isn't it? They had a great past. So the Lord says to them, Do not call to mind the former things, you know, or ponder things of the past. The Lord's not saying it's not important to learn from the past. This is not what He's saying. You don't know. This is about salvation. This is about the grace of God, even in the Old Testament. Don't go back and look at all the past and ponder that. No, I'm doing something new. So that's what God does. God does new things. He's made every one of you new in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad? And by the way, you can be brand new every day. You can be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The newness stays, you stay new. I'm about to get worked up. You stay new. Knowing Jesus. I stay new, you know, whatever my age. I stay new regardless of what my circumstances. You know, I am a new creature in Christ. I am doing, doing something new. By the way, the book of Revelation ends with these very words. Behold, I am making all things new. Wait a minute. Let me get this right. New bodies, new heaven, new earth. Anybody ready to sign up for that? I'm with you, Stuart. God commands Israel to forget the past and trust Him for the future. I think that's good advice for us. God declares that Israel will declare His praise in the future. This is a wonderful statement. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. By the way, that hasn't happened in the history of Israel yet. But it's coming. It's coming. As Paul said in the book of Romans without me going there, you know, uh, Israel has been hardened for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in and then all of Israel will be saved. It's a wonderful statement. Now, what about us witnesses now? Well, I want to just go for a moment and talk about what we say and what we hear and what we tell other people. I want to move through a little process here. And this is not new to any of you, but I want you to see the passages as it describes a witness. Someone's going to miss a family life weekend and they're going to say to one of our people, and I'm not fussing about this because you know, things happen. People have a good intention to come and they're going to be ready to come and then it's going, something's going to blow up. You know, kids are all going to get sick and who knows. And somebody's going to say, well, what happened? June, what happened? You know, they're going to, they're going to call June. What did you see? What did you hear? What happened? Uh, this matter, you know, people count on, how do I say this? You know, I'd much, re I'd much rather if some hap something has happened, talk to someone who was there than someone who wasn't there. You know what I'm talking about? We all rely on that. The, the trustworthy, you know, it's our court system. You've got a witness. Bring the witness up here. What did you see and what did you hear? Do you swear to tell the truth? So what does the Lord say to us? You know these words. Acts 1.8 You shall receive power. He says to His first disciples, and it's for us too. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be 
Not you might be or you can be. If you want to be, you shall be. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you tell about Jesus. You're, it, it just it comes out of you. You shall be my witnesses. Notice Jerusalem. It's global. It's global witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest parts of the earth. Again, I just want to pause. Now, just think about how ridiculous that sounded to maybe something around, you know, uh, four or five hundred of these disciples who are standing there as the Lord's about to send, ascend to heaven. They, most of them have never even left Jerusalem or their hometowns. But you're going to be witnesses globally. <laughs> you're going to be witnesses globally. They have no resources. They, have, they don't have any Roman chariots. The finest vehicles of the day. They have, they have nothing. But you're going to be witnesses globally. And after he said these things, he was lifted up to the cloud out of their sight. That was it. Last thing. You shall be my witnesses. Now we're way on now, what, 2,000 years almost of Christian history. Can you believe that? Seriously. 2,000 years. And the church has had its greatest times of, uh, as witness and our poorest times. Acts 7.14 Those who have been scattered went about preaching, should be went, went about preaching the word. Acts 7 is where you got old Paul. He was called Saul, remember? The Jew Pharisee, the zealot Jew Pharisee is going to get rid of these Christians. And then the Lord gets a hold of him. He fixes him, doesn't he? <laughs> Saul, Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Mm. And so what do we learn? All right, this is us today. We're ambassadors for Christ. And we got royal ambassadors right down the hall. That's not I was a royal ambassador when I was a kid in Baptist church. I was a royal ambassador. That wasn't something I was, it's something I am. We're royal ambassadors. We're ambassadors. We're representatives of our Lord, folks. As though God were making the appeal through us. There's, old, there's Marcus over here. I mean, how in the world are you going to get away from this guy when he's, you're getting in those glasses things that you, whatever that thing's called, you get them in, that contraption. You stick your eyes in that and you're on that side of it and they're on this side. And old Marcus says, did you know you're going to die one day? Or are you going to go to heaven or hell? No, wait, what are you going to do when you get that from the eye doctor? Now that's up close witnessing. I'm not joking. He does that kind of stuff. That's our new deacon. When I talk to people about Jesus, I'm making an appeal on behalf of God. I'm saying to them, are you ready to meet God? There was this fellow when I grew up in uh, Oklahoma City, Dell City, Oklahoma. And he used to wear, he was a really strange fellow. He loved the Lord and he was actually a very wonderful, kind man. But he, he had a long beard, long before beards were fashionable. Uh, he had this long beard and he wore a sandwich board. Do you all know what a sandwich board is? Does anybody in this generation know what a sandwich board is? You know, it's a board on the front and a board on the back. And it said, Repent. 
repent, you know, you are soon to meet your God. He wore that thing, walked all over the place. You can imagine the kind of responses he got. Though we might not want to wear a sandwich board, we have the same task. We don't do anybody a favor to just politely pat them on the head and say, well, you know, a little Jesus would probably do you some good. That's an insult. What we have to say is, I had to repent of my sins. Have you repented of your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? This is our task, folks. You have to appeal. I, we cannot help but uh, speak about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help it. When you're saved, you can't help but talk about Jesus. So, I'm going to just say it to you guys. You're my friends. We all walk here together. If I have to get up and, and, and somehow try to convince people in the church, like some kind of salesman, that they need to witness, I think I'm talking to people who are still dead in their sins. I'm sorry. When you get saved, you are a witness. Now, we can work on helping people be better at it. But how can you not help and tell somebody what's happened to you? You can do it your own way. You can say it in your own way. I'm not saying you have to stand up and have sweat pouring off your brow and hollering at people and carry up. But when you're saved, you share what's happened to you. It's the old thing. Here's what my life was like before I met Jesus. Here's, what, here's where I met Jesus. And here's how different my life is now that I know Jesus. That's not hard. Becoming a witness for Jesus is based on the fact that we have believed eyewitnesses. This is number six. Look, I'm saved tonight because I have believed the witness, the eyewitness of the apostles. I have believed what is written in Scripture, and so the attack is always on the Bible. Well, you can't trust the Bible. So how can you trust their witness? Well, again, you remember, this was, this was hundreds of people who witnessed these things, not two or three. It wasn't a little con job of the disciples. So what does it say? Acts 2, the first sermon preached after the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes. This is this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. They saw Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, Acts 3, 15. But you put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead. A fact, a fact, a fact to which we are all witnesses. See, even the historians do not deny that Jesus of Nazareth lived. It's the question of does he still live? Well, how are you going to believe that? Because I believe the eyewitnesses who tell us not only that they, what they saw, but here's the good thing. I will bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said. Supernaturally, the Holy Spirit brought back to memory the apostles for us to have the Gospels. Are you not glad to have those Gospels? Can you imagine where we would be without the Gospels? Acts 5.32 We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Acts 10.39 We are witnesses of all things He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put Him to death by hanging Him on a cross. This is, 
This is Peter talking to Cornelius and his house, a bunch of Gentiles. John 1, 14. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We saw. It's the word, it's the word to see, visible. Physically see, we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does Peter say? For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses, he even uses the word, of His majesty. For when He received honor, glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, and we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. These men saw the empty tomb. They saw the marks in His hands and His side. They saw Him dead and buried. They saw Him alive again. And they witnessed the power of God on, in what we call the transfiguration on that mountain. God's Word is also the witness to Jesus. So what do we have? Why, is the, why do I love it that our Gideons go and give out Bibles? Because it's a record of eyewitnesses. Look, this will tell you what people saw. Here's a record of what people saw. They saw Jesus. I believe the eyewitnesses. I believe that they're historically accurate and I believe. No, Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. So my friends, I want, to think, I want you to think about this now. How are you an eyewitness? I'm going to quote David to you. <clears throat> I was young, and now I'm old. And I have yet to see, to see, the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg bread. That's an eyewitness. I have been saved since I was nine years old, and I have not always been as faithful as I should be. I've had times of carnality, still do. I still struggle with sin, still have to put it to death in my life. I still have to deal with that. But I have seen, I have seen God's salvation, grace, and provision in not only my life, but in the lives of hundreds and thousands of people. And guess what? So have you. What have you seen? So not only when I talk to somebody about being saved do I say, look, this is what I was like before. This is how I came to know Jesus and this is how, what I'm like now. I also say, and by the way, let me tell you some other things I've seen. I've seen drunkards get saved and turn into preachers. And I have. You know, I've seen the poorest of people who could not make it, who gave their lives to the Lord and they weren't even seeking it and God just poured it on them and they gave it away and they gave it away and did mission work beyond imagination. I've seen those who were sick, healed. What have you seen? We're eyewitnesses. So when I witness, I also witness to the work of God now. Now. We gather to do that, my friends. So believers become... So the point is, oh, you've seen that? Yeah, I have. Well, well how did that happen? Because Jesus saves. 
because God makes a difference in people's lives and He can make a difference in yours. Are you all with me? This is what we do. It's just in our conversation. It doesn't have to be, okay, now we're eating pancakes. Okay, now right now I need to officially give a witness to Jesus. It's like, oh my soul, that's terrible. (laughs) Don't do that. Just start talking about your life. Abby over here. Abby's a nurse. So, you know, she's in there. and Now, I make the story my own way. So, it's the way the preacher remembers it. So, Abby's a nurse. She's a surgical nurse. She's in there and they have these very delicate things going on. So, the, the surgeon, you know, of course, they know everything. They're the smartest people in the world, which is fine. And I'm respectful. I'm not being disrespectful, Pat. I'm not. But, so, Abby has the opportunity to witness about Jesus. Well, you know, he's kind of laughing about it. But Abby didn't let up. She just keeps witnessing to him. Well, you know, I'm not responsible for them saying yes to Jesus. I'm responsible for telling them about Jesus. Isn't that true? I mean, that's my job. If you beat me, if you mock me, if you make fun of me, you know, okay, sticks and stones can break my bones. Fine. Name call me, make fun of us, ridicule us, yes. That's what we are. But then you always say, and what are you? And how's life working for you in your misery and your pain and your hatred and whatever it is? So believers tell others that Jesus saves sinners by living before them. This is my point. You are witnesses and so is God. 1 Thessalonians 2.10. Look at this. Now this is Paul. You are witnesses and so is God. By the way, God watches us and God is a witness to the way we live. When Jesus... When the Lord sees me, does, what does He see in me, through me? I mean, this is a question I ask myself. You are witnesses and so is God. How devoutly, uprightly, blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. You witness it. But then look at this one. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. This is my point. You've seen this. You've seen it. It's what I've said to this church since I've been here. I am yet to be able to explain except supernaturally when some old boy gets saved uh, who doesn't know a thing, but he knows this, I got saved, I need to quit drinking. Well, he didn't go to class yet to get that. Who told him that? The Holy Spirit. I need to quit stealing. Yeah, probably good. He doesn't know the Ten Commandments. I need to quit committing adultery. There you go. I need to quit being a thief. I quit, need to quit. My point is, when you get saved, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and you say, I need to quit doing that. I need to live a different way. And hopefully the church is there to say, now let me show you the better way. Notice, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So you became an example 
to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything, for they themselves report. So look, it went out everywhere. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. They didn't have any phone. This is word of mouth. Did you hear what happened in Thessalonica? All those pagan idolaters now follow Jesus. What happened? It's gone forth. We don't need to say anything. They themselves, godless people, wicked people from the region, they themselves report about what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath of God. Wrath to come. Oh, when we leave this place and we come up here all the time, as well as asking the pastors about today, what do people see in us? I mean, do we just do the, you know, the Sunday deal? Well, then we're lost. You know, if I'm not saved Monday through Sunday, I'm lost. I'm religious, but I'm lost. And you know this world we live in, this part of the country. You know, Pat and I have lived lots of places. You know, it, it, a lot of ways it's easier to witness to pagans in California where we lived than it is here because everybody thinks they're saved here. They really do. Well, yeah, I'm saved. Jesus died for, as a man said to me not long ago, Jesus died for everybody, I'm saved. No, wait, 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 hold on. Now, yes, He died for the world. And you're a part of the world. But that doesn't become appropriated to you until you believe in Him and trust Him and repent of your sins. You don't just get it because He died on the cross. Like, okay, I'm free. By the way, I'm just going to keep living for the devil. I'm saved. I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but it's worth it. You know, I've decided as an, as an older preacher, I have the right to chase a rabbit once in a while. So I'm about to chase another one. So we were in California all those years ago. We were doing a survey. We were doing, uh, what do you do when you go in the neighborhood? Uh, you know, canvassing. You know, we're handing out our deals. So, you know, I've got a street and I've got two knucklehead youth. Why I got them? I got them. It's like, hurry up, get over here, let's go. So we knock on the door and this, <laughs> this, um, uh, he's the, the, we lived in that part of California where the, it was really an oil field place. So he's oil, he's oil field guy, you know. Just what's that? Yeah, Scott knows. You know, he's an old oil worker, rig guy, roughneck guy. You know, they always think they're the toughest guys, but they're actually pushovers. So he comes to the door, has his T-shirt on. I forgot some rock group T-shirt on. You know, looked terrible. Looked like he had beer in his hand. And, uh, and I said, hey, you know, we're from down here at Valley Baptist Church. We wanted to invite you to church. Oh, preacher, come on in. I'm saved. Got a beard. I love Jesus. You go in there, it's just filled with pornography and stuff. He's just like, no. Okay, whatever you are, you're not saved. But you know what was wonderful? He let us talk to him about the Lord. And No, the line was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys came. I'm a Christian and I'm an American. 
Okay, I don't care. Why are you telling me that? But here's a man who was lost in his sin. So you know what it is. Wherever you go, you talk to him about it. You say, you know, is this, are you satisfied the way you live? No, I hate my life. Yeah. Is that why you're drunk all the time? Yeah, I'm drunk all the time. My wife won't even live with me. No kidding. Look at this mess. Who would live in this? So I end this with these words. I have some questions for you. Paul had these questions, so we'll let them be our questions. And I've recorded this, Lord willing. Someone else wants to hear this sometime. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? You know, this is Romans 10. How? Okay, now we're, we're finishing here. We're about to land the plane. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Second, how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? That's us. Amen. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Is that not good? Alright, look. Go tell somebody the good news in the midst of a bad news world. Alright, here's our hymn for the night. So send I you. Just listen to the words. So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing, so send I you to toil for me alone. By the way, the last line of each verse is, is important. So send I you to bind the bruised and broken or wandering souls to work, to weep, to wake, to bear the burdens of a world aweary. So send I you to suffer for my sake. So send I you to loneliness and longing with here a hungering for the loved and known, forsaking home and kindred friend and dear one, so send I you to know my love alone. So send I you to leave your life's ambition, to die to dear desire, self-will resign, to labor long and love where men revile you, so send I you to lose your life in mine. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred, to eyes made blind because they will not see, to spend, though it be blood to spend and spare not, so send I you to taste of Calvary. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, send us out now. May we, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Revive us, restore us, lift us up. Set this church and the tongues of our people on fire to tell people about Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.